All right, a Thursday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group. And on today's show, we have a live mail call episode. What I do is I have a list of some mailbag questions that you guys all sent in via Twitter, and I take them live on the Locker Room app while also taking calls from listeners. Now, I think I only got to one or two of the actual written-in questions. We had a bunch of callers with a bunch of really great questions. We talked about Kelly Oubre, Jeremy Lin, Justin and Jessup, and all sorts of other things, the Warriors title window. All of that is coming up next. Remember that today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, doing a Warriors mail call episode where I have a list of prepared questions that you guys all sent in on Twitter uh, and that I'll get through here. But if you want to talk, we can talk. All you have to do is request to speak. Ask me away with your with your Warriors related questions or, you know, whatever related questions doesn't really matter to me. But let's get started with uh, this question from Mid-Level Exception on Twitter who writes in, how important is it? to Golden State to preserve Kelly Oubre's salary slot, which originated as the Iguodala TPE, going into next season. Very important, meaning that they ought to trade Oubre for someone they can more easily retain, or not important, and maybe there's no appetite to pay that much tax again next season. Um, look, I think it's... I, I'll say relatively important. Kind of important. I'll hedge. Um, look, after Clay Thompson got hurt, they went ahead and used the TPE on Kelly Oubre, but I reported this back in November. If Clay Thompson hadn't gotten hurt, they weren't going to use the TPE. They were just going to let that thing expire. And so, obviously, there is um, an understanding uh, from this team that they needed to compete, and without Clay Thompson, they probably wouldn't be in a great position to try to make the playoffs, so they need to make the playoffs this year. Um, but, look, Oubre's deal expires at the end of the season. This is, to me, a marriage of convenience. You know, even if Kelly Oubre plays really well down the rest of the stretch, it's probably going to be too expensive for the Warriors to retain. Uh, if he doesn't play all that well, then they probably won't want to keep him in the first place. So I do think that there's, there may be a desire to trade Oubre for somebody who is under contract, probably cheaper next season, but not so, not so much because of the salary slot. Cause like I said, they're willing to let that salary slot expire and never use it, never have it. But it's not a great look to, to lose a first round pick for a one year rental. Right. So maybe if there's a trade opportunity between now and the trade deadline, they would explore um, moving on from Ubre. but right now they, they still seem relatively happy with him. I don't think that there's any pressing need to go ahead and get rid of him. Uh, Ryan, what's up, man? What's up? Um, I just have a quick question about Ubre, like you were talking before. Um, is the front office kind of twisting Steve Kerr's hand to play Ubre because of the massive investment they gave? They well, added eighty-four million dollars in the luxury tax, and they gave up a first-round pick. So, is there some pressure from the front office to Steve Kerr to make it work? That's a fair question, Ryan. But um, you kind of look at what this team's mission statement has been all season and what, what's that been? It's been, let's be a top 10 defense, right? That, that's been, uh, rightly or wrongly, 
doesn't really matter. That's been the goal all along. And Kelly Oubre does give them the best opportunity to be the best defensive team that they can be. You know, do you really want... I understand the idea of putting Damian Lee or Michael Mulder or somebody like that in the starting lineup for the, for the floor spacing, but is are those the guys you want guarding LeBron James like, like Oubre did a, few, a couple weeks ago? Probably not. And you really can't rely on Andrew Wiggins to do everything, even though he's been sensational defensively for them this season. Uh, and Draymond Green is, of course, getting better at that end as his conditioning improves. But if the goal is to be a top-10 defense, and Kelly Oubre does make the most sense, in that starting lineup. And look, I'll give Oubre some credit here. He's looked more comfortable, uh, I would say, like the last week or so in that offense. Now, he's still streaky as a scorer, right? That's, but that's never going to go away. That was always Kelly Oubre in the first place. And you would you would think that the front office knew what it is that they were getting when they acquired Oubre. So I don't think that they're twisting Steve Kerr's arm to to play Oubre. Uh, I think that they're, if there's any pressure there might be more pressure to get James Wiseman in that starting lineup. And I don't know that that's coming from ownership or the front office, but you do sense that organizationally, somehow, for whatever reason, there does seem to be a lot of pressure to start James Wiseman or get him as much playing time as possible because, of course, you're trying to develop him. And you're trying to develop him specifically alongside guys like Steph and Draymond and guys that he's ostensibly going to be playing with for years, right? And the more playing time you can get him – with those guys, as opposed to you know second unit reserve type guys, the better he'll be uh, in, in playing with those guys next year when they are trying to win a championship. But um, I I don't think that there's an edict or anything like that from anybody higher than Steve Kerr saying that you have to play these guys. I think that they understand they need to make the playoffs this year. That's going to be really important for them, and that that should remain the goal. Uh, along with you know staying healthy and trying to develop, and then when Clay Thompson comes back, you 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 try to make some sort of NBA Finals run. Okay, and to your point earlier, Ubre is learning the offense more. He's started cut, and he's gone easy baskets off of it, kind of like one once Scott Anderson is. Do you think he's going to keep wearing the offense, or is this as good as it gets? I think he's going to keep learning. You can see during the season, you, you see during these games, Steph Curry and Draymond Green are still pointing out spots to him. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm coming around baseline if I'm Steph, right? I'm coming around baseline, uh, set this pin down over here. He's still pointing and doing all those things. But now Oubre is starting to recognize it a little bit quicker. And, and so you would think that with more time, he'll be, he won't have to be pointed in the right direction so much. Uh, but this is definitely new for him, right? He's a guy who likes to get the ball and then force his way into some sort of scoring opportunity. And that's just not the way it works in Golden State. Uh, and, and so he's starting to figure it out. He's starting to figure out when to move the ball, when to force the issue. Him being involved more in the second unit, I think, has been helpful for him in that regard. Um, but, yeah, he'll, he'll probably get more comfortable. But as far as the streakiness, I don't think that's ever going to go away. He's all, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff on, on my Twitter about, uh, you know, he misses a lot of dunks. He doesn't finish the rim. He misses a bunch of layups. That's not new to him this year either. You look over the years, he's not a good finisher. And people think he is because he's six foot seven and he can jump really high. He's never been an efficient finisher. Um, he's never been a consistent shooter. This is kind of what he is. But he does at least seem more comfortable. And by the way, he is playing the best defense he ever has in his career. Um, so, yeah, Ryan, thanks for the questions. We're going to get to Jorge over here. Jorge, man. Hey, man. Up? Hey, Wes. Um, I just had a quick question about, did you see the Santa Cruz Ignite game this morning? Uh, I did. I was thoughts, watching it. Yeah, my quick thoughts are: I just can't wait till Jeremy Lin gets some minutes and takes Brad Wanamaker's spot. 
honestly. Yeah, there, there's a lot of talk from fans about Jeremy Lin. What do you, he had like, what was it, 18 points on, on, on like 20 shots or something? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he had five assists, I think. Um, I thought he looked okay. Um, yeah, that, the, the, I thought yeah. he looked okay too. Um, I just think he needs some more minutes. And once he gets some minutes in, because the three-pointer looks like it's going to be a top five shooter on our team possibly. Because we have no shooting whatsoever. Yeah. Well, to me, with the thing that's interesting to me about Jeremy Lin is the ball handling, right? Is if you could put him on the floor next to a guy like Steph, uh, what does that do for the offense? If you have him driving and kicking and, and he's kicking out to Steph Curry instead of Jordan Poole, what does that look like, you know? Um, I, I But look, there's a reason why he's not in the NBA right now. There's a reason why he's sort of toiling through these this G League process and He's really not good defensively, and he's not elite offensively, uh, or even very close to it. Um, to me, you know, small point guards who have lost a step athleticism-wise, you have to be elite at something. And to me, Jeremy Lin isn't elite at anything right now. Um, I, like I said, he's got he's got good feel for driving and kicking and stuff like that, but. Um, I don't know that he's going to score enough points on offense or create enough points on offense to make up for what, you know, the, the, what it is that he's going to give up defensively. And I know Brad Wanamaker struggled. He's been really underwhelming for the Warriors. But defensively, he's better than, Jer- than Jeremy Lin is ever going to be. Uh, and I think, again, going back to what I said, if you're the Warriors and your entire goal is to be a top-10 defense, then a, the easier route to that is having Brad Wanamaker playing minutes and not Jeremy Lin. Now... I think Jeremy Lin could still play backup point guard somewhere in the NBA. I just don't know that that's for the Warriors right now. But kind of going off of what I saw this morning, you know, if Jordan Poole doesn't make any substantial leaps in this G League bubble season, you really got to start wondering what it is that his future looks like. And if the Warriors may prefer to find a veteran to take his spot on the 15-man roster. Now, I think, you know, they, they picked up his contract for next year. Um, I think he'll be on the roster next season just because you need cheap guys who know your system at, at some point. Um, and, and you could do worse with, you know, the 14th or 15th guy on the roster than Jordan Poole. But, um, you know, that if he doesn't make some sort of real leap in his development, then then next year might be, you know, his last year, right? And I'm not, I'm not predicting that. You know, he just – he needs to make a, some, some serious improvements um, during this G League season. Yeah. I'll be right back with more from the mail call, but first, let's talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it is impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brands his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I, I definitely agree with everything you just said. And then just one last thing quickly. Uh, what did you think about Kaminga and Green? Oh, my Kaminga God. looked great. Kaminga is so freakish and good. Uh, what, what impressed me the most about Kaminga is we knew the length, we knew the athleticism, we knew what he could do, do defensively, and man, that block on Jordan Poole at the end of the game, oh my god. Like, I I, I thought that that might have been the last thing Jordan Poole ever does. I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought he died. I wasn't sure. Um, but what he could do with his handle, like, he, he had this one highlight where he sort of lost the lost the ball on, on the dribble and then kind of gathered it again and, and ended up making some sort of mid-range you know, jumper, but um, so it's not; it can still get tightened up, but it, it's definitely uh, much further ahead than I thought it was going to be. With some of this footwork stuff that we saw, uh, combined with with a better than expected handle, I had Chad Ford on my podcast. I don't know last month, and he said that Kaminga was one of the most intriguing guys to him, and he was starting to really put himself in that in that top five tier in what is already a really loaded draft class, and people who. I talk to who are around that Ignite team, certainly more than I am, are raving about Like, Jalen Green was the guy who got all the headlines, but people inside that organization raving, raving about Kaminga. I'm all in. Uh, if if the Warriors can somehow find a way, I don't know that Kaminga would be there outside of the top three at this point. You know, I don't mean to make too much out of one game, but, um, you know, the skill set, the intangibles, the, the, the freak athleticism, the physical traits, all that stuff is there for him to certainly be in consideration for the top three that's and so you know if the Warriors end up at four or five or six or something like that and and Kaminga's on the board that would be a huge win for them I don't know who my favorite guy in this draft is right now but Kaminga's my my early favorite um Atlee what are we doing question for you man first of all how's your day how you feeling I'm good man thank you I'm good Good. um I had a question I just wanted your take on it how competitive do the Warriors need to be, in your opinion, in order to actively pursue at the deadline, you know, with the DPE and maybe, you know, trying to open a roster spot for JTA? How, like, what needs to happen in order for them to legitimately, the front office, want to make something, make a move? I think that the front office is ready to add Juan Descano Anderson. I think they envision him being part of the 15-man roster by the end of this regular season. Now, let's let's... Remember, back to last year, Damian Lee was their starting shooting guard, and he was their starting shooting guard for you know the mo- for the most part. He was doing that while on that two way contract. It wasn't until he was out of two way days that they were forced to waive you know Marquise Chris and and then add Damian Lee, and then you bring the Marquise Chris back after he clears waivers back to a two way, and then you make some trades at the deadline and you find a spot for Marquise Chris on the regular roster again. Um, by the way, has anybody ever signed four contracts with the same team in one season? That was insane, his season. But um, it, I think you could see something similar happen with Juan this year um, because he's got whatever it is, I don't know, 40 more games. Let's, let's ballpark it. I don't know the exact number. But um, they're going to use him, right? And, and maybe by the trade deadline in March, they have to make a move. Maybe you do a two-for-one a, a two deal where, you know, maybe let's call it Kelly Oubre in. Alan Smiley-Geach or something, where you move those guys to the New York Knicks for, you know, whatever. I, I don't know what you would want from the Knicks at this point. But uh, but in, in doing so, you free up a, a roster spot and you and you promote Juan Descano Anderson. The other option is 
that they could waive Michael Mulder in a similar version of what they did last year with, with Marquise Chris, where, look, sorry, man, you're the only guy left with the, un- the non-guaranteed contract. We're going to waive you. We're going to hope that you clear waivers and then bring you back on a two-way. That could be an option for them. But, you know, he's playing meaningful minutes for them, right? He's, he's a three-point specialist off the bench. I think that they don't want to risk losing him. And, and a guy like Michael Mulder might not clear waivers, Right, and you, you, he probably doesn't want to come back on two way. If he can go get a regular roster spot somewhere else on waivers, he probably would do that. Um, so I think ultimately, they prop they, they need to just waive Alan Smilagic. If they they could try to trade him into somebody else's cap space and take nothing back, but I don't I don't see I don't know what NBA team is is you know on the edge of their seat trying to get their hands on Alan Smilagic at this point. The guy's you know unproven twenty. He's had two, you know, major injuries, you know, in his first two seasons. I, I think that they'd be better off waiving him, eating whatever cost it is from, you know, the salary because it's a guaranteed salary and, you know, the luxury tax implications and all of that. But it just seems to me that the, that's the easiest route from point A to point B is you wave smiley each. He'll clear waivers, like I said. Nobody's going to claim him off of waivers. I promise. <laughs> and and you just bring him back into your Santa Cruz, you know, development team. That's where that's where he should be right now. Is in Santa Cruz developing with the G League team, and he should be doing that for three, four, five years because he's that to me. He's that far away from really making any sort of impact at the NBA level. I think he's talented. He's got touch. He's got athleticism. You like the way that he plays, the, the, the aggression with which he plays. But he's still learning the game, and he's really he, you know to to steal Fran Fachilla's terms, he's he's two years away from being two years away. So. Um, that to me would be be the way that they go, and, and like I said, it wouldn't shock me if uh, if they were if they were ready to go ahead and add him as soon as possible. But you know, no rush either, right? They they've got him on a two way. Ownership doesn't want to pay any more money than they have to. Um, you can use up these two ways, and once they expire, then you're forced to really make some sort of decision at that point. Makes sense. Thank you for taking the question. And uh, before I get out of here, I listen to you every morning on my morning jogs, man. So if no one's complimented you, we appreciate you. Ali, that means a lot to me, man. I really appreciate that. Have a Take great care, one. Man. Thanks for calling in. Yep. Roji, what are we talking about here? Uh, hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I just joined uh, like a couple minutes ago, so I don't know if this question already got asked. But um, how do you feel about the approach that the Warriors are taking in making the most out of Steph and, uh, Steph and Clay's like, you know, latter years? comparison to what kind of Cleveland did when they had LeBron and Kyrie, where that Cleveland um, traded Wiggins for Kevin Love and I think all their stuff in Minnesota. Whereas uh, the Warriors are looking more to, like, um, tra- keep, you know, develop Wiseman's ability, but also keep that Minnesota pick as an asset. I was just wondering what your opinion was on the approach that the Warriors are taking and the approach that other teams take when they kind of, when their stars are kind of in, I don't say last years because it kind of hurts to say, but in their older years. Right, in their primes. And look, it's a really good question. And it's one that I've um, talked about a little bit and thought about quite a bit. Um, I think that they should be doing everything that they can to maximize Steph Curry's championship window. Because if you're the Warriors, you have to assume you will never have a player as good as Steph Curry ever again. Ever. You can't assume that James Wiseman will ever be as good as Steph Curry. You just you can't assume that. And the players that can lead teams to championships are so rare that, you know, Daryl Morey has the belief that, hey, if you even have a 1% chance at winning the championship, you have to push all your chips in and go all in. Now, it didn't really work for Morey in Houston, but 
the one thing you could say is he always went all in. He was always willing to pull the trigger. And they got really close uh, in, in knocking off the Warriors that one year. And so um, I can't say that that was a failure. And I think that was the right move. Now, the Warriors, anytime you talk to people and coaches and people in that front office, they don't talk about, hey, we want to win another, you know, three championships in five years or, or anything like that. They say, we want to be the Spurs. You know, we want to be the new Spurs, which means sustained success over, you know, ostensibly two decades. Uh, and that's why you take a guy like James Wiseman at number two and not trade that pick. You know, I can't tell you how many, you know, questions I fielded during the draft or, or you know, the, the whole draft process. Should they trade number two for Marcus Smart? You know, it's like, no, you don't trade number two for Marcus Smart. He's not good enough, but you might want to consider trading number two for Rudy Gobert if things you know went south in Utah. Would you trade number two? Right? Would you trade James Wiseman right now for Miles Turner, who is playing at a Defensive Player of the Year level? And if you're the Warriors, you can get Miles Turner, who's a three-point shooter, center, the uh, uh, top-end defender at that position. He fills a need for you. He's still young. I'm not saying I would do it, but if you wanted to maximize Steph Curry's prime that would be more of a way to do it than, than waiting on James Wiseman to hit his stride at, you know, eight, nine, ten years from now, right? Because that's when he's going to be in, in his prime, you know, 27, 28, 29 years old. That, that, and, and, you know, Steph Curry won't be in his prime anymore. He's in his prime right now, and I wrote about that for MercuryNews.com this morning about how his trainer says he's, he's like a 27-year-old, not a 33-year-old. Um, and, you know, it's nice to hear all that stuff. And, yeah, he is a physical late bloomer and stuff, but – He's also small, and, and small point guards don't necessarily age well um, historically in the NBA. So I think that they should maybe exercise a little bit more urgency um, than they are right now. That said, what does Clay Thompson look like when he comes back? Because if he's 80% of what he was before he got hurt in 2019, then you could argue that even with Steph and, and, and Clay and Wiggins, who's been really good for them, and and some and some other tweaks around the roster, and another year of James Wiseman, and and you know maybe you know Draymond Green, if he's in, if he could start a season in better condition than he did this one, you could say that the Warriors are title contenders next year. So that's what I would be looking for. I understand the patient approach here, because you're not winning the championship right now, um, and that's fine. But if Clay Thompson isn't eighty percent of what he was, and it doesn't look like this core right now can win another title with with Steph Curry in his prime that's when you start having to have really tough conversations in that front office about what it is that you want to do. Because I don't think that you can just say, you know what, those were those, those five finals runs, that was a lot of fun, uh, and now we're playing for 2029. No, it doesn't work that way. you got to try to do what you can to win another championship here in Steph's prime. I'll be right back with more from the mail call, but first let's talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, go to betonline.ag on your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use that promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This episode is also brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times, in Style Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 
1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people, and with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. Let's move on to Lauren. Lauren. Hey, Wes. Um, I was just wondering if you've heard anything in terms of when the Dubs could potentially expect fans in the arena, like in any capacity. I haven't heard anything. I know that the ownership is th- that their original plan um, submitted to San Francisco to allow- to test fans and allow them into the arena at, at some sort of percentage capacity was rejected and that they have resubmitted those forms ever since, you know, things started opening up. I don't know what that was last month, um, a little bit more. Uh, and I, I, they will continue to push the issue. Uh, that's not going away. There is a report this morning from the New York Times that said that the Knicks are going to try to allow a certain amount of fans into the arena at the end of this month when the Warriors are in town. And so, you know, New York and California, they've been in very similar places all along. So uh, maybe the end of February, early March, uh, maybe more likely it would be the start of the second half of the season in mid-March, just because it might be uh, more organized and easier to, to do it that way. But yeah, maybe maybe at that point would just be my guess based on what we've seen from the rest of the NBA. But as far as uh, a drop dead date of, of when they could allow fans, no, nothing yet. Um, all right. If you have a question, feel free to request to speak here on the locker room app. In the meantime, let's take some questions off of Twitter. I got one about Justinian Jessup. Where is it? Um, here it is. When can we acquire Justinian Jessup on the official roster? Um, Jessup is playing in the NBL right now. He was a second round pick for the Warriors. I talked with somebody in the front office about that acquisition and about the idea of bringing him over stateside sooner then next season, and they basically said, look, there's there's 15 guys on the roster already. To, to bring Justinian Jessup back would require some sort of roster move, and one of the reasons that they drafted Justinian Jessup in the first place in the second round was because he would be willing to kind of be this draft and stash guy. They like his shooting, they like his length, they like some of the potential there, but there was a lot of other guys that they could have taken in the second round that weren't willing to agree to, to be a draft and stash guy for a full season, but Jessup did. They are monitoring his progress. They watch every single one of his games. Steve Kerr watch, you know, gets gets film on all of his games, and he's briefed on what it is that his progress is over, over there. Um, but the the idea is that he will be added to the roster probably next year, and that's not even definite from the person who I talked to. But the, I would say there's a ninety percent chance that that's that's the case because. They're going to need guards next year. Brad Wanamaker's a free agent. Kelly Oubre will be a free agent. Damian Lee's contract expires after this year. Uh, Michael Mulder's contract expires after this year. They've got a bunch of guys who aren't under contract yet for next season, and and they might bring a couple of those guys back. You know, Damian Lee might stick around. Michael Mulder might stick around, but um, you're going to need some depth, right? And so Jessup could be could be a part of that. 
Um, moving on to another question. Oh, John, New York going 10% capacity. That's helpful. I think the Warriors were pushing for something like that. Um, th- their dreams are to get 50% capacity. That's what they really think. And um, I remember talking to Joe Lakeup on the phone. I guess this was before the draft. And he told me with, and this was when indoor dining or it was, was starting to open up, I believe, but outdoor dining definitely was, it was before, you know, Gavin Newsom rolled back some of those openings in San Francisco. And he, and he said, if people can be allowed to, to eat in restaurants and outdoors, why can't they go to arenas and be socially distanced? And, and, you know, he, he trumpeted, you know, the, the sort the, 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 I don't know, the air conditioning and, and the ventilation in the arena and all that stuff. And, and so he really does believe that they could safely house fans. And uh, the idea would be to test them, not at the arena. You would have, let's say you live in Danville. You would have some sort of designated testing center that works with the Warriors in Danville. You can go get tested, show that you're uh, uh, negative for the coronavirus. And then, you, you know, within the 24 or 48 hour period, you would have to take that test before the game. Then you would show up to the game with some sort of proof on your phone. Uh, that says that you tested negative 24 to 48 hours before tip off. And so uh, that would be the idea there can, they're going to continue to push San Francisco about that. But again, who knows? Uh, San Francisco has been very conservative about everything. And so um, I don't know the politics in New York. I don't know how conservative they've been, but it does seem compared to California, but everything I see on, you know, CNN and stuff, they seem, you know, pretty conservative about about things too so maybe 10 percent would be would be the best option why wouldn't you call him up who the hate on jay lynn is wild oh why wouldn't you call jeremy lynn up uh mike um i do i look i i'm not saying that i'm hating on I, like, i'm not hating on jeremy lynn i'm just pointing out the facts he's not in the nba and hasn't been for years and he is struggling to get back into the nba and if you need proof just look at the facts that he's playing in a bubble in the G League in Orlando. If it was so easy for him, and if there was such a demand for Jeremy Lin by one of these 30 NBA rosters, he would not be doing that. Especially given how much support that he has worldwide. You know, that's easy ticket sales, easy, jer- uh, not really this year, but I guess, but easy jersey sales, easy merchandise sales. If he could really help a team, he would be on a roster. There's no question about it. All I'm doing is pointing out the facts. That's all I'm doing. I actually like Jeremy Lin. I, I like watching him. He's fun. Like I said, he, I like the drive and kick stuff. That's right up my alley. That's the sort of basketball I like to see. I enjoy watching the Jeremy Lin play, but, you know, who are we kidding? You know, just look at the facts. Um, all right. I'm going to end it there. Thanks to everybody who joined in on this Warriors mail call. If you don't already subscribe and listen to the podcast, it's Locked on Warriors. You can get it wherever you get podcasts. We're, we are daily over there, five days a week recapping all the games weekly mailbags interviews with people you can read my stuff over the mercurynews.com uh thanks to everybody who's listening thanks to everybody who called in with questions uh, and we'll do this again soon